As I've said, it's a joy to have Colin with us, and we're going to ask him now to come and share a word of testimony. He's going to bring a little message at the end, and then he will close with just as I am without one plea. Thank you, Colin. Good evening again, and I thank you again, David, for allowing me to come along to give a word of testimony here this evening on how the Lord came and saved me, a poor lost sinner like me. And it's great to be standing behind this pulpit and to give a personal word of testimony. And I don't want any glory here tonight. I want all the glory be to give to be God. And hopefully tonight that he will, some soul, souls tonight that who don't know and love him maybe tonight this night be the night that you might see the Lord Jesus as your saviour here tonight just one verse of scripture please it's found in the prophecy of Isaiah Isaiah chapter 1 and the chapter 41 sorry and the first number 10 fear thou not for I am with thee be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with thy right hand of my righteousness. Some of you may know me, some of you may not. I'm Colin Hops. I was born on the 23rd of March, 1900, and <coughs> I give away my age, 1979. I'm 43 years of age. I was born in a place called St. Hillary. It's near to the border. I'm sure not too many of you here tonight will even know where that even is or even attempt to know where it even is. And it was there I was born into a Christian home, which I'm privileged for, a mother and a father, and at that time, two sisters, all I knew and loved the Lord. And I counted that to be a privilege. Maybe at the time, as a child growing up, I didn't count it a privilege, but looking back now as a grown-up man, I do, I do kind of agree a privilege to have that. From a very early age, I can remember being sent along to the local Presbyterian church there, just across the road from where I lived in a place called St. Hillary. It was St. Hillary Presbyterian Church. There was a primary school there in the Orange Hall. It was all beside one another. My life would have revolved around most of the, those places. I hated the school. I didn't mind going to the church. And then also to the Orange Hall too. My life revolved around it too as well. To as well. As I say, I was sent along to Sunday school there faithfully, uh, with Sunday school teachers and minister there too. Sadly, to say there wasn't much of a gospel influence there. Minister was good enough to be man, but sadly, there was no real sound of the gospel. We never heard too often the need of a saviour or how to put your trust in him. Or maybe sometimes, but maybe visiting speakers from the Belfast City Mission, I'm sure many of you here would be familiar with, two down in Belfast, they would come along once a year and would have talked to service and maybe would have emphasised a lot of that, and that was there. But I kind of had a privilege even in primary school. Primary school was a very good, sound, solid, solid foundation. The teachers all there ranged from Reformed Presbyterian to Presbyterian to Brethren and to Free Presbyterian as well. So. 
you had a variety of teachers there too, all who knew and loved the Lord. And that was a great stepping stone for me too, as a young life Christian influence. We were always already staying at our primary school with the school assembly. We always done the scripture reading and and the day was committed to the Lord in prayer that we all the children had been kept safe in the school and the principal always made sure that was always handed down even when she retired too. She always maintained that had to be kept up and it was a great privilege to be there. As I said, I was sent along to church faithfully and then a Sunday afternoon you were sent in along to the Brethren meeting at four o'clock and then you're sent along to the Mission Hall up run by the Faith Mission up in Kelma at eight o'clock. So it's safe to say my Sunday was well packed with, with meetings from going to Sunday school to home to get your dinner then back out again to the Brethren meeting in the afternoon and then to Kelma on a Sunday night. So I was well endorsed with religion and with things of God. <clears throat> Many times I probably reluctantly didn't want to go, but there was no ifs or buts. My dad said, you were going, you were going. And you couldn't get out of it. If you said to mum, mummy, I don't feel well, or something like that, that's all right, so maybe you want to stay at home. Yes, please, mummy, because all of would tell you here, I'm mummy's boy, and I, if I do probably fly one on, Mummy's always the first one to call upon. And any of you your mothers out here, you all know what our sons are like. They can always try and pull the wool over the mother's eyes. And many a time I tried to pull it over her eyes, but Daddy always, he stepped in and he always did the last say, you're going. And I said, no, I'm not, but you're going. But I went and thanked the Lord for that. And even my dad, too, as well, too, from a child, each night faithfully, he would have read God's word to me and would have prayed with me before I went to sleep each night on a read paperback booklet. There's no bigger than that there was David the Shepherd by. I still have it in my collection of books. And it was read to me faithfully every night. And I said, Daddy, didn't read it all. Oh, I did. No, Daddy, you left out page two or page three. And whatever, I knew the story off by heart. And he would have read maybe the prodigal son and maybe the stories, different stories about Jesus. And then when I come to an age of being able to read the Bible myself, me and him would have done our quiet times both together. We would have read a maternal verses and Daddy Blade would have shared a wee word from it and taught me verses of Bible, out of the Bible, John 3 and 16 and 17. And different how to that there, Romans 10, 9 and 10 and all the verses of scripture. And I recommend you as a parent, maybe here tonight or a grandparent, do you spend that time with your child? Do you come down, do you take them down to bed and do you need with them and pray and read and have that be family altar with them? It's only 15 or 20 minutes to do it, but I would honestly commend you to do it. It's vital. I know the child might look at it as a necessity, but later on in life they will come and they will remember it. And I do cherish, that was one thing I do cherish from my dad. I know most of the time my dad and me do have our differences, but that was one thing I do cherish from him, of taking the time to read and to pray with me. And I kind of thought it would be a privilege. Then come the year 1989, as a 10-year-old boy, we were sent along to a gospel mission in Second Kitty Presbyterian Church. Second Katie was joined with 
our own church in Tumhillary, I was there, it was a gospel mission held by late Mr. Noel Grant, I'm sure some of you here, the older people, might have remembered Noel Grant, he come from Bangor, he's originally an man, and he came to live in Bangor here, and he came along faithfully, night by night, for four-week gospel campaign in Second Healy Presbyterian Church. And it was on the 31st of August, and on that date, I remember God speaking to me as I, as I said, as a 10-year-old, and I remember saying to him, coming out, he says, I says, Mr. Grant, can I have a word with you at the end of the service? I feel that I have to come and put things right with God. And he says, certainly, son, that is not a problem. I would enjoy to have a chat with you. So anyway, that was okay. We went into the little inquiry room, the wee committee room, the side of the hall there, and Ms. Verby, we went down our both our, I went down my knees, and he went down on his knees, and he opened up God's word to me. And he pointed out to those verses that I said to you there, John 3 and 16 and 17, that Dad had taught me, and Romans 10, 9 and 10, and other verses of Scripture. And he said, now Connolly says, the opportunity is now up to you to come and put your trust in, in the Lord Jesus Christ to take away your sins. And I said, yes, with tears in my eyes. I said, yes, I do want to go for that next step. And it was there in that building in Second Katy Church Hall that I went my way to Calvary and I, as a 10-year-old boy, and he says, now Colin, he says, there's another step for you to do after we'd prayed and read together. He didn't see me, but thank God he pointed me to the one to come and know the Lord. He says, now Colin, he says, you've another step to do. He says, this is what everybody struggles with. He says, you have to confess. He says, you have to tell people now that you've got saved and come and put your trust in him. Now, I was nervous and timid and shy, but any people here tonight that knows me, I'm not a bit shy now, but I don't know when to shut up. And thus, I've come a long way since that, but I remember coming out anyway, and I remember the first person I told was my dad. I says, Dad, that's something to tell you here tonight. And he says, what is that, son? And I says, Dad, tonight, I have come and put my trust in the Lord. And I can just see him yesterday, throwing his two arms around me, he says, son, that's the best news ever I've heard. Well done. Well done. He says, I'll try and help you as best as I can. And thank the Lord I still have him in my life. And he still helps me as best as he can. And I thank him for that. And I remember Mr. Grant coming down to me there's both sessions of the church. We're standing there. It was going to be a joint session meeting, I think, after the service. I can't remember. But I think, I do believe firmly, it was a joint session meeting. And he said to both sessions, he says, Brothers, a session, he says, I want you to look after this young convert here tonight. Bring him up in the ways of God and teach him and instruct him. But sad to say, friends, Yes, there were some good godly men in that session. Willie Wilson and George Wilson and other people. And names, names, names don't mean anything to you, but they mean a lot to me. There were men who knew and loved the Lord, but sadly some of that session didn't know the Lord and had no time for things of God. But as I said, I was sent then along next year. That was my last year in primary school. And then next year was a different challenge. 
starting secondary school, coming from wee primary school, maybe 60 or 70 children, then going to a school of maybe five or 600 pupils. And there I went along to that school. And also, I kind of other privilege as well to that school at the time, to a lot of the teachers that tried, I said tried, to thump education into me. We're all Christians as well too. A lot of them were Christians and I thank the Lord for that too. The principal was a Christian and the vice principal all was a good godly man as well too. And I counted that also a privilege too. And I know my friends at school were not Christians. I witnessed to them. And I thank the Lord that I did take my stand. And God helped me through those five years at school. And not once did them fellas or those girls ever mock me for my faith. And I thank the Lord for that. Many of them, another one was mocked and teased, but I never was mocked or teased. I just thank God for that. I don't know for why, but I thank him that he did help me. As I said, I read to you there that verse there in Isaiah chapter 41 in the verse 10. Why I read that verse to you. It brings a lot of comfort and help to me. Because when I was in fourth year at school in 1994, I was turned the age of 15 of March the 23rd. But seven days previous to that was a Thursday. It was the 17th of March. We all know what that date is, don't we? As people here, we do know what it is. It's St. Patrick's Day. We all know who celebrates it. We know all about it. It started out a normal day in our household at home. My two sisters were off work. My mum was off work and dad was off work and I was off school. I had no school that day. Thank the Lord for that. And we all were there. And at that night we were all talking what we were going to be doing. There was a mission in the Killay area and my sister said to me but where she was going to the mission for she was singing along with the group from the YPS and Portie Down and Dad and Mum were going to the mission and I wasn't going to be left alone in the house. I had to go along to the mission. So that was okay, I didn't mind going to the mission. I went along, I don't remember who the preachers were, I don't remember nothing about it. But Jennifer, my other sister, my in between me and my older sister, she went another way. She was going into Armagh, into a scripture union, meeting her friend was running. Her and she other wee friends in the local GB that my mum was the captain of. She was going into the road, into the Armagh, But friends, she didn't make it. She was called home to glory, friends. A drunk driver plowed into her and wiped her out. It was a hard, hard blow as us as a family to accept, to accept it, but with God's help, we had we knew and trusted God for our help, for we knew it was absent from the body and was present with the Lord. It was hard, a couple of days, I can remember it like yesterday. 
about quarter to eleven at night, I remember I was up this, with my dad at the food, you know, a quiet time. And I've no whatever notion dad just said to me, Call night if you're in the stairs here a minute, he says, son, but I'll back up to put you to finish off your reading. So don't you be going anywhere. And I jokingly said to him, Daddy, where am I going to a quarter to eleven at night? I said, You wouldn't let me out. And anyway, Dad didn't come back up and I shouted down uh, down to him about eleven o'clock. I said, Daddy, come on up here. Finish us off. Said so school in the morning. Dad didn't answer. Mum didn't answer. Caroline didn't answer. And so, as the old saying goes, curiosity killed the cat. I came walking down the stairs and into the, put my hand to the living room door. I see my mum scratching her head off. My dad walking back in the kitchen. I said, his heart's going, why? Why? My sister on the other side with my cousin and my aunt and uncle trying to comfort my mum and the minister who belonged to me and, his, and the two policemen and so the column come out into the sitting room. And I said, okay. I went to the sitting room and was there. They took off their hats and they explained to me that Jennifer had been killed. It was a very hard couple of days. I suppose it was my first time ever experiencing death too in a household facing awake and facing remains coming home. Over the next few days it was countless people come and, and through the house. Just, it's just, I can't even remember nothing about it. It just was really amazed as many people had come. People knew mum and dad and people that knew me, school friends and people that knew both Lonnie Caroline and other people. And then that was just so hard, but we thank God we got through it and I'm thankful that she's in heaven today. Amen. That's the greatest comfort to have that she knew and loved the Lord. For a friend, if I, if I didn't have that comfort tonight, I don't know where I'd be. I don't even know if he was stand behind this pulpit here tonight. And it's a great comfort to know that she's that is absent from the body and is present with the Lord. And I just thank him for that. So anyway, next year was my final year at school. That was the best year ever. I was getting out of school. I was quitting. I said, yes. That year, 95, couldn't come quick enough. It was a great year. I remember it was a hot, hot summer. That year, if any of you remember, it was the hard and everything was bubbling in the roads and hosepipe on, everything was great. But I didn't care about any of those things. I was leaving school. That was the best day, too. So that was okay. I left school and I started off my working career in Armagh, signing furniture and other things, and everything was going well for me as I thought it was. And I then progressed and I moved on to another type of job. Another job I preferred, really preferred was selling to farmers and cattle feed and fertilizer and sprays and such likes to farmers. But then it wasn't until 2008 too, and I was in a meeting over in David's Hall, over in Tandegui District Hall. I was at a meeting there at night and I was coming home. And I felt my car swaying to the one side and I said, what's wrong here? 
next minute I heard a, this merciful crash. The yard left the road and went down a 30 foot drop and landed him somewhere in between two trees. Now I'm not a thin man, as you can see, but all I do remember is just lying up there. And I just seen a light, and I just always say to that light, I always call that light the light on the Damascus Road. My glasses were broken. My face was all caught up, and at that time my sternum was fractured. I didn't realise. And I pushed my hand down and clicked the seatbelt. I don't know how the seatbelt opened, I do not know. I pushed myself out through the window of the car, and he kicked it in. Crawling up the field, and all I could see was the light, and I just kept following this light till I got to the road. And, and I remember with one eye shut and one eye badly sword, to manage to bring home to mum and dad to come and lift me. I just felt the car, but it's all right. I didn't realise the car was a write off. But anyway, my friend had. Was coming off from her night duty of work, and I recognised her number of plate in her car, and, I, and she bundled me into it. My mum and dad came, and then I was taken off then to hospital too. And I thank the Lord that He preserved me that night. How I came out of it, I do not know, but just by the grace of God that He did preserve my life, and I thank Him for that. That only for Him too it would have been, I could have been called out to a lost eternity. Then about 10 years later, I was coming home as well too from the last Saturday demonstration in Armagh. And I can remember it like yesterday as well too. And I said to myself, I'm not belong home now to I'm home. I was only about, about literally three miles away from home. I said, I'll get the paper out and I'll get the form of life and I'll get it read here tonight and I'll get the feet put up and maybe watch a bit of TV. But there again, I heard an offer. Bang again. Oh, I said, oh, Jake, no. please, not another accident. And yes, it was another accident, friends. The car was, I had a tractor head on. Any of your farmers here tonight know what a hay turner is. Thing for kicking hay, and you know what the tines are like, they're sharp and pointy. All I can remember is two pushing it at my eyes, like that there. The other two pressing it at my heart. Just maximum, I opened up the yard when I rolled onto the road. And I don't remember nothing there at all. Apparently my auntie come on the scene, I don't remember her there too. And my friend from my own church, Mr. David Bell, come on the scene, and the Reverend Nigel Reed come also on the scene too. All those people rushed around me and got me into hospital. I don't remember nothing. All I do know, all I can remember is waking up in the hospital with with David Bell, my friend, and the Reverend, Reverend McMillan standing in a woman. Mr. McMillan gave me a bit of a joke to give me a laugh. He says, Colin, I'm here to give you the last rites before you go to heaven. <laughs> so I says, thank you for your encouragement, brother. But thank the Lord he brought me out, brought me out of it. And he helped me back in the state and argument with actually four days I was out. And I actually was diagnosed that I fell asleep at the wheel, but too, I then I developed sleep and not me out of that and have to sleep with an old mask on me at night. But thank the Lord that since that, I've had no more accidents. 
And I thank the Lord for that. He has preserved me and he's kept me too. And I thank the Lord that he has watched over me since that. And I don't want any more either. And I just thank him too again for his hand upon my life. And it's great to have him in my heart and in my life too as well too and this I thank you for listening to me for this personal word of testimony I'm sorry for breaking down by the way but I am soft hearted and I thank you too for listening to me and it's kind of a great privilege you know this invitation to come along here tonight has been has been a long storm one David as you well know because any time I've seen this man before coming to here I always met David when I was coming in to the Orange Hall from the 12th of July to get our dinner, or coming out. And it's usually I think we were coming in together, we always walked in together. And we're not saying how much we eat or consume, right enough, we don't want to, we don't want to embarrass our partners too before we eat. But we always make a good effort and always make up a good point on the 12th of July to have that weekend of the friendship, each 12th of July and each 13th of July. And then a little over four years ago, I met a person down this part of the world and we decided to come here one Sunday morning and I'm not near my bars or but it's Olive down there. She she'll hit me down after the after they come home but so if you see me the next few Sundays a bit of a black mark or a bruise, you know what's from Olive, just by the way. So no she'll not do that, just too kind hearted. But all of me come along here and we're welcome into the church family here between I come here between here and my own home church in Armagh with the Ralph McMillan and I send you greetings from Armagh Church, from the Kirk Session and the committee there too, and from the Ralph McMillan too as well. And I know that all of them we both love coming here and we're very, very much very much at home with amongst friends we have got to know all of we knew some of the people here, I didn't know nobody. Only David was the first person I knew, but from coming through the door. But I've got to know different ones from coming in. I got to know George and others. And I always, every time you go through those doors, it's always a, a friendly welcome, a smiling face. And you always know when they come into Carried Off that you always get a lovely, friendly welcome too from the elders and everybody at the door. And it's nice to, it's nice to have that, form, that family word of welcome. And at the door, it always means a lot to me. So that sums up my testimony, friends, and I thank you all for listening to me. And like I say, it's a privilege to be come along here tonight to speak. So if you would turn in your Bibles, please, to the Luke's Gospel, please, in the chapter 12. I'll try not to be too long here. Beginning to read at verse 13. And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he may divide his inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought 
plentiful. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much good laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thy fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose these things be, which thou hast profaned? So is he that laid up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. In that, maybe all know that story, I'm sure many of us here tonight. It's the story of the rich farmer. We could call the farmer, we don't know anything about, we don't know his name or anything, but we could, we could call him Mr. Rich Farmer. We could say in our modern day farmer that everything was going well for him. He had great, all the best of the new machinery. He had the new fence tractor and maybe the new fusion baler and everything was going well for him. His milk prices were high and he got good prices for his milk and he sold his cat at the back end. Everything was going well for him. And he said to himself, he's going to pull down his master houses and he's going to spend them out bigger and he's going to put a stanchion onto his milk and parlor or whatever and milk more cows and put in maybe more story cattle to feed for the next winter. He got, he got great cattle for great prices and great, great, great grades for his cattle at the back end and all of this here. But, you know, friend, that letter I is in that there's a verse of scripture we read, those few short verses, is repeated at least a minimum of six times. It was all I, I this and I that. And I will pull down my barns and I will build greater too. And the word may is also used a few, a few three or four times as well too. He's going to be, everything was all about self. It was me and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do the other. Uh, it was obviously something that the rich man had recalled. You could say that he had no trouble in his life, everything was going well, as I said. And the world, everything was going well for him. But literally, he realized he never thought of who gave him the abundance of a treasure. He never thanked God. He never, we always say, not be coarse. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And he never thanked God for giving him that, all of that material possessions. He never yet thanked God, too, for that help, for giving him the great prices or, or anything. But God said to him, Thou fool! This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Very, very solemn words, friend, isn't it? I repeat them again. This night thy soul shall be required of thee. You know, it's very solemn struck words, isn't it? To hear that spoken to you, isn't it? And yet he never 
We don't know where he ended up. We don't know anything more about him. But you know, the devil always too, he always makes excuses, doesn't he? We always heard tell of the apprenticeship of the Satan's apprenticeship too, of saying, what can we do to tell people this about heaven? How can we get them out of it? How can we withdraw them from God? And first one he says, tell them there is no hell or there's no God. No, 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 that wouldn't work. No, that wouldn't work. He says, if there's a hell, they'd believe that. But then tell them there's no God. No, 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 no. That won't work either. And the third one, he jumps up and he says, I'll tell you what to do. Tell them there's plenty of time. And Satan, he says, yes. That's it. That's it. There's plenty of time. And I'm sure you're like me here tonight. Always, you always hear the old saying go, there's not enough hours in the day. I haven't time to do this. If I had time to do that, there I would have got this done. I would have got that done. And that was, that was the one the devil picked. He says, that's the brilliant one. He says, that's the best one yet, he says. He says, I'll fall for that hook, line and sinker. So the will. But you know, there isn't time, friend. For what does it say in the book of James? I think it's there in the book of James. For what is your life? And it's even like a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. We all know when we go into our kitchen and buy our kettle, and when the kettle's boiling, the vapor goes up. But yes, it goes like an instant, doesn't it? As quick as the kettle's boiled, the vapor's away. And that's like the brevity of life, friend. That's like the brevity of life. It's here and it's gone. It's so, so tragic. Life, I, I told you there that I nearly escaped death twice. Two or two car accidents. God saved me, he preserved me. I wouldn't stand here tonight if he didn't do this. That's the real logic of it, my friends. Life, if it's best, is very brief, like the binding of a sheath. Be in time, be in time. Why the voice of Jesus calls us. Be in time. If no sin you longer wait, you may find your open gate, and your crime may just be great. Be in time. We all can be in time. We all have to be in time to come into church, don't we? Our church service here starts at half eleven. We always try to be here on time. All of us are going to tell you she's very strict on time. I'm usually coming at the last minute.com. And so you come on, come on, come on, we'll have to go to church. I said all of us only quarter to eleven. I may be only starting to get out of bed. And all of a sudden, ready, maybe dooting the horn to get me out. But that's the reality, friend. Be in time. We go to, a, to catch a bus or a train, we have to be there in time because if we don't, the train or the bus is away without us. And we have to be at the nice connection, and the nice connection mightn't be for three or four hours. And then we've missed wherever the place we're going to. But what more importantly, friend, is to be in time to be in time to be called up to glory 
And I would urge you, if you don't know and love him tonight, friend, that tonight, this night, that you would come and you would bow your head just right where you are and you would put your trust in him. And even online, those of you who are watching online, you can do it at the comfort of your own armchair where you're sitting tonight or, or you're in a bed or whatever with sickness or whatever and you're watching it. Did you do it there also? You just have to be in a church building. It's only bricks and mortar and walls. The church is God's people. We don't have to go to any big high fluting churches or go to a high fluting minister. You can just do it right where you are. For it's as simple as A, B, C. For it says, A, for behold, now accept the time. And then B, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And then C, confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and thou shalt be saved. But I would encourage you here tonight, friends, that you would come and you would put your trust in him. For believe you, me, friend, you will never regret it. There's only one thing you'll say, here, you'll say to yourself. You wish you'd done it sooner. That's the only regret you'll have. What better way this Jubilee weekend coming up? What better way? Yes, it's lovely to see Her Majesty reach 70 years on the throne. But what better throne we want to see than the throne in heaven? And there you'll get the crown of life. Wouldn't that be not great? All oh, boys, it will. Yeah. Friend, it's coming very, very, very near when we see what's going on. We need to get back to pray. Our prayer meetings need to be prayer meetings on Wednesday or Thursday need to be full. We need to get out and we need to get out and pray and to witness and tell our lost and tell our loved ones of our family don't know and love the Lord, try and win them over. So you can plead with them to come and put their trust in him. I know I have family myself as Uncle Lance that aren't saved. They're just just too much oh they're going to the church, oh I'm going to a church for fifty, sixty years and I have prayed my free will offer and I was a long stand committee man and your granddad was a committee man and your granddad was the treasure of the Lord or whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's committee man, the Lord, committee man and treasure of the orange Lord for 50 years, it doesn't matter. All that matters is if you get the Lord into your heart. As I said to you a few minutes ago, simple as ABC, accept and believe and confess. Don't go home without him here tonight talk to David or any of the elders or if you're a lady and you don't want to feel talk, comfortable talking to a man talk to some of the ladies I'm sure some of the ladies who you, who you know will be happy you know, too happy to talk to you kids I also too encourage you as well to do it to, I don't don't put it off don't put it off that's the solemn words to don't put it off.
I just want to ask our brother to come forward now just as we bring our message to a close and we're going to sing not just as I am without one plea but before we, we sing it I just want us to just all close our eyes and bow our heads I'm just going to ask our brother to play that first verse unaccompanied as he plays that unaccompanied I'm going to tell a wee story just I heard many many years ago as a child about that verse I just want you just to listen to the story and more importantly as I say to listen to the end of the story it's a very very vital importance so I just ask our brother now just to play nice and softly and gently with every head bowed and every eye closed as I say this little wee story about it many years ago there was a little girl she sat on her father's knee one Saturday night and she said to her dad, Dad, can we play Sunday school? And the daddy, he said to her, Patty says, it's near time for bed. But daddy, please. Okay, we can play it for 15 minutes. And that's all, then you're going to bed. So that was okay. The daddy asked her the Kelly kissing. And he asked her the verses of the hymn and she got them all right. And then they turned around, she turned around and she says, Daddy, I'm going to ask you the verses and I'm going to ask you the catechisms. And I'm going to ask you the hymn. And that was okay. The daddy, he said, okay, that's all right. But remember, nine o'clock and that's it. So the wee girl, she says, Daddy, we're going to sing, we're going to repeat the verse of a hymn. I want you to repeat it off to me. And I thought, hymn is just as I am, without one plea. And I says, that's okay, Daddy. She says, we'll repeat it. And he repeated, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thy bids me come to thee, and that thy bids me come to thee. O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Come on, Dolly. You haven't finished the verse. No, Patty says, come on, it's nine o'clock. Okay, Daddy, that's okay. So the Daddy went and he took his little child up to bed. And was there, he went up to bed and he took her out to bed and he tucked her in. And he went back down the stairs again to put, his, he put on the TV and he watched it and he couldn't get no peace. And he, wrecked and he went on and said, I'm going on to bed, and he went on to bed. And 11 o'clock come. 12 o'clock come. One o'clock come. He was seen every hour in the clock. And all he could think of was that little verse of that hymn, It's Just As I Am. And he went out and he went out and he kneeled in the side of his bed. And he says, O Lamb of God, I come. I come. And he went into the little girl's bedroom and he just said to the big girl, he says, says, O Lamb of God, I come. I come. And the wee girl just opened her eyes briefly and she just said, Dolly, you've got full marks now. And he just hugged his wee girl and he wept his way to Calvary. So, friend, I would encourage you here tonight that if you don't know and love him, that you would come and tonight, this night, 24th of May, that you would come and you would bow your knee and bow your head, just right where you are, and put your trust in him. I would encourage you to do it. 
For tomorrow is not promised, friend. Even tonight's not promised. But do it now. But the opportunity is opportunities here. If you don't know when you ever get enough opportunity. So this let's sing a few verses of the hymn, just as I am without one plea. It's the hymn 289. We're going to sing a couple of verses of it together. I thank your brother too for playing so softly for us. And I just would just sing a few, a few verses of 289. We'll stand to sing verses 1, 5, and 6. Verses 1, 5, and 6. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me to salt stand to sing in the name of commit our Lord. I'm meeting to the Lord in prayer afterwards. heads in prayer please our dear lovely eternal heavenly father we already do thank and praise the lord yes of another lord's day and we thank you lord too for giving me that help to share that word of testimony and bring a wee short message and a wee short challenge out to the people here and carried off here tonight and to the online community as well lord lord i thank you lord too for giving me that that needed help lord here too again now lord we pray lord too for this food and this for this food that's been prepared for us. We thank you, Lord, too, for the ladies that have worked so hard in the background and preparing it for us. And I, Lord, bless it here to us. And Lord, we think of those less fortunate than ourselves, Lord, here too again. And, and I, Lord, just bless us, each one, of, each one of us, Lord, here too again. Take each and every one of us, of our family and friends, home, 
tonight in safety, Lord, until we meet again, Lord, here too, again, and Lord, too, throughout the remainder of this week. Keep each and every one of us safe, Lord, here throughout this week, Lord, here too, again. Lord, we pray and ask all of these things in your most worthy and precious name. Amen and amen. Thank you again for listening. Thank you.